Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. And welcome back into another brand new episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, Skylar Callahan, beat writer for the Panthers for Sports Illustrated. The Carolina Panthers 32-6 to uh, loss to the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the GOAT Tom Brady this past Sunday. We will get into that. The Panthers dropped to 5-10 and 10 overall this season, 2-6 and six at home. Uh, Tampa moves to 11 and four uh, overall on their schedule. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into Cam Newton's uh, uh, post game press conference that had the bit of a feel of maybe a retirement type conference, a bit, a lot of reflection there. We'll get into that. Uh, I want to uh, talk to Skylar about Cam Newton's career in general. Is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer if he retired today? And we'll we'll get into that a little bit as well. Plus, we'll look ahead to Panthers versus Saints on Sunday. Uh, COVID is wrecking sports all over the place. Uh, the Panthers have, I think, like 14 people on the COVID protocol list right now. Last time I checked, I didn't check this morning. Uh, I'm sure there are more. <laughs> so there's all of that going on uh, and more. So we'll get into all that here uh, shortly. First, a word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. They are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props online, or excuse me, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season going into 2022. Bet online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. That is bet online where the game starts. As I bring in Panthers beat writer Scalar Scalar Callahan from Sports Illustrated. And uh, Scalar was the last home game of the season in Charlotte. There was a lot of red out there, I noticed, um, looking at the highlights. It seemed like the Tampa fans kind of took over B of A on uh, Sunday. Yeah, it, there was a, a ton of Tampa fans there, and it's kind of been the the story all season long. And I, I don't know what it is. I, you know, it could be uh, just a, a lack of trust in this coaching staff or this team or ownership, or it could just be that this fan base isn't as I, I hate to say it, but maybe not as passionate as some of the other ones around the league. And the reason why I say that is because I mean, this team, let's be honest, is one of the youngest franchises in the NFL. Like they've only been around for 25 plus years. And when you've not really been a consistent winner, it's really kind of hard to, to get a a die die hard fan base. So I think once this team gets to that level to where they're winning consistently, you'll see Panthers fans really kind of pack the stadium. You won't see opposing teams come in and kind of take over B of A. So I think that's just kind of the story for what that's going to be like until that happens. Yeah, I mean the Panthers are still the franchise that's never had back-to-back winning seasons. Um, 
you know, in their 25 year uh, tenure in the NFL. And I would agree, you know, the times I've gone to the uh, Bank of America Stadium as a spectator, uh, there's been times where I'll see more Pittsburgh Steeler fans in the in the stands and we're not oh. playing the Steelers, <laughs> you know, like there's terrible <laughs> towels waving and stuff. And uh, actually, one of my friends went with me to a game. Uh, I can't remember who we were playing, but it wasn't the Steelers. And he had a terrible towel, with like a huge one with him. And uh, we were walking through Charlotte uh, back to our vehicles. And there was just random people walking up and down the sidewalk with terrible towels. Like, it was the weirdest thing. And they would point at each other, be like, Steelers, Steelers. And I'm like, we're in Charlotte. What are we doing? What are we doing? But there's a few Steelers fans sitting right kind of directly below us at the uh, under the press box on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely unique. <laughs> the Bra- the Brady-led Bucks route the Panthers 32-6. to six. Uh, We can get into the nuts and bolts of this game. There's not a whole lot to get into in terms of, uh, the. I mean, between COVID uh, opt-outs from this game, with people being in protocol, uh, Stefan Gilmore re-injured his groin, uh, Antonio Brown caught for 100 yards on the ground. Tom Brady threw for 232 yards and a touchdown. It just it felt like Tampa was just an extremely better organization at the moment than Carolina, and they just went in and did what they had to do and and got out fairly uh, healthy. Um, your thoughts on the whole quarterback splitting reps thing that they did on Sunday between uh, Cam started the game and then split reps with Sam Darnold uh, I don't know if anybody thought they were going to split reps the way they did because it didn't feel like there was a rhyme or reason to it. Like, uh, what were your thoughts when you started seeing how they were going to actually do this over the day? You know, actually, I, I was okay with it just because we knew that this was more than likely Cam's last game as a Panther and at in Bank of America Stadium. I mean, the writing kind of seems to be on the wall. It's not a hundred percent that he's officially not going to return, but. That's kind of where we're we're seeing things, you know, as things stand today. So allowing him to start the game, I was completely fine with. He moved the ball a little bit, so why not keep him out there? You know, I, I don't think it was necessary to make the change that early in the game. And then at, at a certain point, I think it was right after Cam threw the, the interception, which, by the way, was just a bad, bad throw. I don't know what he was doing. He was throwing off his back foot off balance and just threw it up into darn near triple coverage in almost like a prayer just to get a first down. Should have just threw the ball away or took a sack and punted the ball, especially with the defense you have. I think that's the one thing, not just Cam Newton, because it's not been just him, but obviously Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, these quarterbacks have to realize what defense they got with them because when, mm-hmm. when you get into a third down situation, there's no need to force the ball if there's nothing there, just take a sack or throw the ball away because with the defense that you have, you ought to feel pretty good about your chances if you back them up to, let's say, inside their own 20, as opposed to giving the other team the ball. Yeah, I, mean, so, I, I don't understand that, but I, I guess Cam was just trying to make plays happen, knowing that they needed to, to kind of almost go score for score with Tampa. But, um, but I mean, th- there, was opportunities for, yeah. there was opportunities <laughs> for, for them to score. I mean – Cam had Amir Abdullah wide open and he just fell out of the backfield. And that was yeah. one. Sam Darnold had Amir Abdullah and just put it a touch too far out of his reach. So those are two touchdowns that, that should have happened. But in the end, you know, Tampa Bay, they're, they're just, a, like you said, a much better constructed team right now. They're built to win. They have depth on both sides of the ball. 
they're just they're in there. They've got a lot of continuity, and I think that's that's something that the Panthers lack right now. Um, the we'll get to the post game stuff in a bit because uh, we we actually talked uh, off mic about you know wanting to do something regarding Cam Newton and his comments post game. I did not mention. Uh, I tweeted, but I did not mention the whole Matt Rule Jay Z thing from the post game uh, <laughs> press conference. Actually, he dropped two nuggets in the press conference. He had the Jay Z reference, and then he dropped the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reference as well. And I- I'm just curious your thoughts on that. What was the vibe in the po- in the press conference room as Matt <laughs> Rule is dropping these uh, these jewels about how he tells the the team all the time that it took Jay Z seven years to build a dynasty and it doesn't happen overnight. Did it come off as corny or did it come off as something where uh, he genuinely believed in what he, what he was saying? I mean, from what I gathered, like it, it didn't seem like, like he was, um, how, how should I put this? It's, it's not that like the media, I don't think anybody inside the press conference really took it as like, Oh my gosh, why are you saying this? It was just more mm-hmm. like, him just throwing an example out or him just relating to something else. I mean, let's be, let's be real. I mean, they just lost 32 to six. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to try and, you know, ease the, the the tension in the room a little bit. So, I mean, I, I don't know. People were making so many nitpicky comments about it and like, and it's all coming from these rule haters that have hated Matt rule from day one. As I've said a million times on this podcast, yeah. there are so many guys and, and women that have, just not liked Matt Rule since he got hired. And since, you know, he has gone 10 and 21 in his first 31 games, they're going to find any little thing to nitpick him about, whether it's post game comment, him supposedly throwing Cam Newton under the bus, which we already talked about that. And right. now, oh, he's talking about Jay Z. You know, like, just stop. Like, he was getting roasted it, on Twitter. Like, it, uh, uh, yet again, Matt Rule was tw- trending on Twitter, yet he hadn't been fired. So I'm like, what is he trending for now? And I go over there and I look at I'm like, so wait, what? <laughs> so you're comparing, uh, you're comparing all this to that. And, and then the Fresh Prince one, one was actually worse because, uh, it might, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was basically talking about how when he came into the Panther situation, that there wasn't a whole lot there, that they kind of cleaned everything out. And he was like, it's similar to that that meme of the Fresh Prince standing in the living room and it's all empty and everything else. Uh, yeah. I thought the best response to that that I saw on Twitter was from someone who mentioned, he was like, uh, does, does Matt Rule not understand that that meme comes from the very final episode <laughs> of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Like, it was the end. It was the last five minutes of the whole thing. So I don't know if he was aware of... Uh, <laughs> of I got to admit, I, I will give that person credit because I, I, I chuckled when I saw that. But I mean, outside <laughs> of that, like... The Jay Z thing, like, does it really matter? I mean, at the end of the day, it really like, it's, yeah. it's it's like what he's trying to get across, whether he got the point across or not, is that it's a process. It's going to take time. That's the, that's yeah. what he's getting at. It doesn't. He's not comparing himself to freaking Jay Z for crying out. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> if he would have said that, he you would have understood. That's what he was comparing himself to. So I think sometimes these people, and I know there's a certain little uh i don't know what you want to call it little circle i guess inside the media uh in charlotte or south carolina that kind of has their hatred towards matt rule and all they do i I swear to god desmond 24 7 these people do nothing but complain about matt rule that's all yeah twitter they live for it like that's all they do they cannot go a breathing second throughout their day without talking about firing matt rule like listen the dude's not getting fired we we, right. we we understand that at this point that from everyone that we've talked to 
is he is not getting fired this offseason. So let's put it to rest and let him do his thing. And if it doesn't work out next year, have at it. But until then, let's just calm down because yeah. some of these things, like, again, just we're stretching at this point to go and, like, you know, complain about him talking about Jay-Z and Fresh Prince. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I mean, if people forget, too, John Fox and Ron Rivera – both had under 500 seasons their first two years in Carolina. And I don't yes. remember the, the 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 fever for the fans being so, like, fire Fox, fire Rivera. I think part of it, though, uh, the thing with Ron Rivera was that his teams got better later in the year. Like, he had a crazy December record. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it felt like it'd be like they would dig a huge hole in the beginning of the year and then right around Thanksgiving, they kind of like a light would click. And the Panthers would rattle off like three or four wins and make you feel better going off into the offseason. Washington, Washington fans would wish that would be the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, Washington, uh, they ran to a buzzsaw. I did watch the Dallas-Washington uh, Sunday night game, and uh, Dallas looks like they might be in the Super Bowl this year if they play like that. That was a very impressive performance uh, by the Cowboys this past week. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I look back on it. And again, I say every week I'm near the ledge, I back away from the ledge, I'm ready to jump off the ledge regarding Matt Rule. And I think this week was the week where it was kind of like, you know what, you know, Skyler's been right. You know, this this is a building process. I think the the three wins earlier in the year and us being tight, that's kind of, I mean, I think it, it, it almost positioned us to believe we were better than we were. And then when the bottom fell out, it made us almost feel like, the bottom shouldn't be falling out, but in actuality, we probably shouldn't have been three and zero to begin with. So it kind of goes both ways. But if someone had told us, told us at the beginning of the year, and we say this every podcast, if, we, if someone had told us at the beginning of the year we had an opportunity to win seven games this year uh, with our top player, forget offense, of our top player on the whole roster, McCaffrey gone again for the majority of the year, our number one draft pick gone after three games, and JC Horn. Um, your quarterback gets put on IR in the middle of the year after kind of stinking it up for a month. You bring Cam Newton back. You, you play musical chairs or quarterbacks for a month. And to still be able to increase your win total from the previous year or have the potential to, uh, that that's big. That's huge. And in hindsight, that's all that's going to be seen in record books or whatever. It'll just, it'll just show Matt Rule won five games in 2020 in a COVID year. And then 2021 won six or seven games, and then who knows what happens next year when they finally, I assume, look at the offensive line and go, oh, you know what? We kind of neglected this. Let's uh, let's go ahead and fix this real quick like we did the defense and like we did uh, the secondary and some of the other pieces, but they just need time. Uh, I, I am tired of people saying that we should have drafted Rashawn Slater. I, I'm just tired of it. Like he, They didn't draft Slater for the same reasons why they're not playing, well, they didn't want to play Brady Christensen at left tackle on his arm length or whatever. Like, there's no reason to believe if they had drafted Slater in the first round instead of J.C. Horn that Slater would be having the year that he's having now with us based on what we've seen them do with offensive linemen we actually drafted. They wouldn't have it, – it, it, it makes no sense. And I've seen this argument online where people are like, we should have got Slater and this guy and that guy. I'm like, nah, nah, that that wouldn't have changed a whole lot in terms of the way the makeup of this offense is currently right now. Uh, I do like that they gave Christian some snaps on Sunday – even though he had Shaq Barrett to deal with for uh, the first quarter or whatever. And Barrett was on pace for probably about six sacks alone <laughs> before he got hurt. Uh, but you still need to give the kids some run. And that's what they did. So I was happy with that at least. Um, 
but more from uh, the post game, I wanted to kind of shift focus over to to Cam Newton. And like you said earlier in the podcast, this may be Cam Newton's final home game at Bank of America Stadium. I went to go pull his post game press conference because it actually kind of it was actually trending on uh, Twitter after the fact where people were saying, you know, this sounds like a retirement speech. Uh, it, it, it felt more reflective than anything else he's done. And I, I got to put it out there. I'm one of the biggest Cam Newton fans there is. He's one of my favorite football players of all time. I've never seen Cam Newton as mature and uh, more for team than himself. And all the things that people used to dump on Cam about uh, player-wise that made him the player he was, egotistically, I haven't seen any of that since his return here. He's been so uh, – it's been so refreshing to hear him and to hear the growth (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> you know, that, that for me, just listen to him, I'm like, wow, he really did grow into a adult. You know, having children will do that. You know, getting uh, older will do that. And he uh, he was asked, it was probably the second question in the the, uh, the press conference. I, I want to say uh, our uh, friend Vashti Hurt from Carolina Blitz was the one that asked the question. Um, you were in there. Was it Vashti that asked this question about him being reflective? Uh, I so, yeah. It sounds like her on the uh, on the thing, so I'm gonna try to get this set. At Harris Teeter, when it and comes to game it, day, it's all. Over. It's like Harris Teeter really wants me to go to uh, <laughs> there to get some game. Every time I flip back to this tab, it resets the whole video to a Harris Teeter commercial. So we'll wait this out a second, and I'm trying to get to uh, Cam talking about uh, being reflective on you know his return to Charlotte and. Uh, just the ability to be able to play uh, football here and his career uh, leading up to this point here. Well, it goes without saying, you know, the humanistic side of this football, you know, game, uh, football has been good to me. You know, I was able to walk away, you know, unscathed. But, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm retiring, but, you know, it's had some great, some great, um, you know, memories. And as you think about, as you move forward, you know, it, it, it takes more than one guy. It takes more than one talent. It takes more than a couple guys. It takes unanimously everybody understanding what their role is and what you have to do. And when I look at my situation, was it ideal? And not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking big picture. I'm talking, uh, you know, over the years, not, not today. I'm just talking. You know, was it ideal? No. But I think the thing that I can prop myself on is being able to say I never blinked. I never bitched. I never complained. I never I never pointed the finger. I never, you know, wanted it any easier than what it is. I mean, we play this game as alpha males, as lions going against each other. You know, one lion taking over another safari or whatever, and, and, and you'll be damned, so to speak. So it takes guys to really understand you know, their role and their responsibility and being able to execute it every play. So, you know, on the sideline, I had a moment where, you know, you look back over the years and guys who taught you, Steve Smith, Jordan Gross, Ryan Khalil, uh, Michael Lors, you know, Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley's. As well, you know, Josh Norman, what is worth, Charles Johnson, Julius Peppers, you know, KK Short, 
and they understood what keep pounding meant. And was it ideal? No. Was it was it something that, you know, you had to just succumb to the philosophy at times? Yeah. But the team got the glory, you know. Nobody looked for somebody else to make a play. They just went out there and upheld their end of the bargain and did it. A lot to unpack uh, there. Cam expressing some frustration after Sunday's uh, loss to Tampa Bay. Um, Skyler, uh, I know you were in the room. What was the mood in the room as uh, Cam was kind of moving through this press conference? Because it did kind of feel like he was saying goodbye. Um, of course, Grant, there's still two more games left in the season. We have no idea who's even starting uh, yet uh, going into Sunday's game versus the Saints. Um, but what, what was the vibe in there? Because I know there were some follow-up questions regarding that. Uh, that's just hanging meat there for – uh, for the media to kind of go after uh, after uh, Vashai asked that question. But it was a question that was on a lot of people's minds. Uh, you know, I saw a video. Uh, my friend Chris Lee from WRAL had showed some video on Twitter at the very end of the game where Cam ran out to the middle of the field, uh, dapped up Tom Brady, and then just ran off, didn't, uh, you know, uh, talk to anybody else or whatnot. So it, to me, it kind of felt like the emotions were building up in him. He was trying to stay uh, within himself, but obviously it was on his mind that it could be the final time he was in uh, Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was kind of shocked at, at kind of how he just randomly just kind of opened up about his his feelings about the entire situation and just how that he's kind of come to almost a realization of where he's at in his career. And I, I was honestly shocked because I, I kept my eyes on him as, as the teams were coming at midfield to, to greet each other after the game. And I saw him go get Tom Brady, and then it's like he just made a beeline straight for the locker room or for the tunnel. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, to me, I thought if this was his final game potentially, I thought he would soak it in a little bit. You know what I mean? But, I mean, some people deal with it differently. I, I Maybe that's wasn't even running through his mind. Maybe he was just upset about the game. I, I don't know. But – I felt like he, to me, watching it, it looked like he he didn't want to get too emotional because he didn't know yeah. for sure if it was the last game, but he could feel it. And, like, he just wanted to get off that field because he knew if he stayed out there long enough, those emotions would well up in him. And it kind of right. hinted at some of that stuff in this post game, where, you know, that whole – I love the fact that Vashti framed it the way she did because it, it, him standing off by himself, Cam has always been known to be around players, pumping them up, sitting amongst – guys joking clown and you know being cam newton you just have to be a big kid is basically the description people give when they talk about cam but you rarely see him in moments of reflection by himself like way down at the end of a sideline you know deep in thought or something like that and to me it showed growth in cam newton it also showed i think in a way i've i think you said it last week that maybe the biggest mistake matt rule did was bringing cam newton uh back to the panthers and maybe by the end of this season it may be the only shining moment of the season that they did bring Cam Newton back so that he was able to kind of finish his career as a Panther, because I'll be honest, I've been on this train for a couple of years. I believe Cam Newton is a hall of famer. Like I, if you look through the stuff that he has done in his career and I've got a list, we'll go through it in a bit. Cause I, I know a lot of people don't even realize he owns so many records in the record book, but I feel like he's a hall of famer. Bill Parcells said once that if you're the best in the league, even if it's for one year, like a league MVP, if you're the best in the NFL for one year, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Like you, you, for one year, you were better than everyone else in this profession. 
And that alone should be a qualifying ticket, like a Willy Wonka golden ticket into the Hall of Fame. And <laughs> <laughs> put Cam, his 2015 season, uh, to me, kind of, I looked at it like, regard now, if he had won a Super Bowl too, I think there wouldn't even be a conversation about this, that Cam Newton's going to probably go in first ballot. But there's going to be some conversation about this, you know, five years after he retires, whether or not Cam Newton deserves to go in. I think he changed the game. I think he's he made the game... He's the bridge from Michael Vick to Lamar Jackson in terms of how quarterbacks are viewed, uh, black quarterbacks in particular, where Michael Vick was viewed as a running quarterback that had a cannon arm but couldn't really keep himself from getting in his own way and being you know, not very accurate with it. Cam was a different iteration of that, a bigger version of that, more like a, in the Donovan McNabb kind of mold, but he still was a very potent uh force in the run game and and maybe the best rushing quarterback of all time and then you get to like Lamar Jackson where he's kind of a hybrid of the two between Vic and and Cam Newton where he's super fast he's not as big as Cam kind of built like RG3 but a little bit bigger and smarter uh, you know can get down under the Ravens know what they're doing when they're running the ball with him so to me Cam Newton kind of changed the way quarterbacks play football uh, I don't know if uh, Pat Mahomes or a Josh Allen exist if Cam didn't exist 10 years prior, if that makes any sense. What, what are your thoughts on uh, on Cam and his impact on the game? Yeah, I mean, he definitely transformed, I think, the way – I wouldn't say the way that maybe the game is played, but I think more so how coaches view the game at the NFL level because – when you go back through the last, say, 20 to 25 years in college football, this was already kind of a trend. Like you had the running quarterback, whether it be, you know, a, a guy like Cam Newton who would just bulldoze over people or a guy like Lamar Jackson who was more elusive. That's kind of been in the college mold for like the last two decades, but it really didn't come into f- full shape in the NFL until about the time Cam Newton came around. And mm-hmm. – when you look at, I think, some of the quarterbacks in the NFL today, they kind of, like you said, they kind of mold their offense around that type of quarterback. My perfect example is Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is kind of like the the 2021 version of Cam Newton when he was Agreed. 2015. But, yeah. I mean, because you look at it, they're, neither one of them are the most accurate passers. But they've got they, they well once once upon a time came out a, a pretty good arm, you know could could push the ball down the field, had a strong arm he could run. Same things with Josh Allen. He's not always the most accurate, but he has a cannon. He he'll unleash it when he wants to. So, there I, I, as far as Cam Newton's, I guess prospects into getting to the Hall of Fame, I think he he'll definitely get in, and I say it because. In my mind, he's without a doubt the greatest running quarterback of all time. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's even close. As good as Michael Vick was, I just think Cam Newton was on a whole new level. Like he was like a power runner. Uh, yeah. You know, Vick couldn't grab. <laughs> like, like you would see. It was the first time I could think of where cornerbacks and safeties are making business decisions on the field when Cam Newton's running at them. Because Cam would actually look for contact. Uh, somewhere along the way, someone told him, you know, it's better for you to hit the guy than allow the guy to hit you. It'll protect you in terms of uh, getting injured or whatever. And it's probably, let's be real, it's probably shortened Cam Newton's career. 
But oh, well, I'm, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've, I've always said I would rather have five to six years of the Cam Newton we had from 2011 to 2016 in Carolina than a shell of what Cam Newton was supposed to be, but stretched out over 15 years. And I, actually, honestly, you kind of make that case for Big Ben in Pittsburgh right now. Oh, that yeah. kind of stretched that out, you know what I mean? Like I would have much rather him him retire four years ago and you think about what he did as opposed to the the tailwind. Uh, there's a there's always a joke where um, people will come at like cigarette smokers and they're like, oh, you're shortening your your life. And cigarette smokers are like, yeah, but it's the last couple of years and those are crappy years anyway. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like the, the, the career has been shortened, but we got the best of them in there. I've always gone to this um, whenever we talk about Cam Newton and uh, Hall of Fame consideration. And we kind of knew the show was going to turn into a kind of a. Uh, remembrance of cam newton's career in carolina even though again we still got two more games we have no idea what's going to happen over the next two weeks they play the saints they have issues at quarterback themselves uh i don't even know who started for the saints uh monday night versus the dolphins Book. oh that's right Ian Book, because there's no one left <laughs> there's no <laughs> one left that can play quarterback for the saints so they're in the same boat so we they got a decent defense and uh no quarterback same with us so we'll see what happens next sunday uh, and then we got to play Tampa again, but by then Tampa may be set in their seating uh, that final week of the season. So it is very possible Matt Rule could get out of this season miraculously two games better in the win column than he was in 2020 with everything that's gone on. And to be honest, if he can pull that off, I'll completely back off the whole we need to look at Matt Rule situation. And, you know, he he would definitely deserve a third year to see this through. And I think that's the way we're heading, which is going to make a lot of Matt, Fool, Matt Rule haters heads explode if we get to seven you know if we get to seven and ten on the season and he clearly got us to a better place the defense is better the talent level is better than it was two years ago we'll see but i don't think cam newton will be back here uh next year i actually hope he is uh like i hope he's a, i hope he's willing to take a backup role uh maybe goal line red zone we talked about it last week I don't know. It, that press conference made me think he might be willing to do something along those lines. But Cam's also the type of quarterback and player where if he realizes his skills are diminished, and he can't play the way that he wanted to play anymore. He seems like the type that's willing to walk away. And he sounded like he was comfortable with that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what I took away from it is I, I honest to God, when he was talking, really thought he was going to say after the season, I'm done. I really did, because it seemed like that that's the tracks that he was headed down. And when he well, he said that, the thing about you know if his kids weren't listening, there were some words that he would say, but he can't say them because his kids are listening or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, yeah, that that was a kind of interesting note too. So I mean, he threw a lot of things out there that kind of make you think, like, okay, this could be it for him. And I'll say this, you know, Cam Cam needs to do what is in the best interest for him, but I think in in terms of his legacy, and and you just touched on it with Big Ben. I would much rather see a guy like Cam Newton go out, you know, after the season, even though this season wasn't great for him. Right. Like, go out now instead of trying to milk out any little left of foot or little amount of football that you have left in you and continue to tarnish your, your legacy. You know what don't, I mean? Yeah. Don't be the last 10 years of Ric Flair. Exactly. Just like, I think if he goes out now, no one's really going to remember this, you know, six game, whatever, in his return back to Charlotte, except for that he, he was able to come back, finish the, his career with the organization he started with. I think that makes the most sense for him. 
And just knowing Cam Newton's mindset over – well, I, I don't know it, but he this whole time that, that he didn't he didn't have a job, he constantly said that, you know, he didn't believe that there were 32 other quarterbacks that were better than him. That, to me, spoke as if he believes he's still a starting quarterback. And I don't know that there's another team out there that's going to be willing to let him be the starting quarterback unless it is the Carolina Panthers and they draft a, a rookie. Mm-hmm. So there's still that that chance. But I think what what will happen is it's going to be – Cam's going to have a sit down with the, the, the front office in Carolina and, and head coach Matt Rule. And if he feels like they're going to go in the direction of drafting a quarterback, I think he'd be willing to come back for one more season, help usher in the new guy, and then maybe right off into the sunset after that. But if they're going to go after, you know, like a Deshaun Watson or Jimmy Garoppolo, someone like that, I think this is probably his final call. But I will say this because it was an interesting um, kind of tidbit. I, I, I kind of did some research. And this was to ease your mind. I texted you this a couple of days ago, and I said mm-hmm. this will be able to kind of ease your mind about Matt Rule. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know if Matt Rule is going to be successful here in Carolina. I, I don't know. I, I I just know that it's it's year two. And like you said, if they can finish the season with six or seven wins, I think that's a win at this point. So Agreed. you look at two examples in the NFL, current head coaches in the NFL, that had very rough starts and turned it around in year three. So you look at Cliff Kingsbury was 13, 18, and one through two years. This year he's 10 and five, and he's already got the Cardinals into the playoffs. Hmm. You've got Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, 6, 25, and one through two years. Six in 25 <laughs> through two years. Year three, which is this year, he's nine and six and has the Bengals in first place. So, I, I understand those two teams. They had their quarterbacks. Yeah, I was say, that's the only thing they got. Yeah, they got franchise quarterbacks in place that they can grow with. That's the one thing Rule doesn't seem to have. At the, right. Well, we don't know. We, I, I assume, I, I don't know. But what I'm, what I, what I keep trying to tell people is, you look at those two situations, and I'm sure everyone said Cliff needs to go, Zach needs to go. They let it kind of build and now they've got a good team moving forward that that could make a run in the playoffs each of them and i think matt rule can have the same thing happen to him if he goes and gets his guy a quarterback this offseason because if they draft a left tackle with that first first round pick they trade for a quarterback that is actually going to help win them games i don't see how this is not a team that's going to be contending for a playoff spot next year I kind of agree, and I feel like – because I keep seeing people go, well, they only have one pick in the top, like, 100 picks or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a very deep draft class. And if all of you are sitting around thinking that Matt Rule and Scott Fitter are not going to play with this draft board so that they're going to end up with seven or eight picks when it's all over with, you are confused as to what's going on here because, yes, they don't have a second. They don't have a third, I believe, right now. Uh, mainly from the Darnold trade from uh, from last year. But they've got things they can kind of move around. If they really wanted to move up to the second to get somebody, they could do that. You know, if they really wanted to move up to the third to get somebody, they could fairly easily do that without completely altering the roster or anything of that sort. They've got picks to play with. And to be honest, offensive line doesn't have to be built in the first round. The Great Wall of Dallas wasn't all first-round picks. They're considered probably the greatest offensive line of all time. And most of it is... Castaways, late round draft picks, uh, 
guys off the street that just kind of grew into a cohesive unit. And that's really more what you're looking for a certain type of player. They don't necessarily have to be a first round player, uh, but you, you are looking for a specific type of dude to be in there. And clearly the guys they tried with this year are not it. I would like to see Brady Christensen play a little bit more next two weeks. Uh, Deontay Brown, I'd love to see him out there also just to see what we have before we go into the process of doing the draft things. Um, but I have no doubt that they're going to try to rectify that. Now, if they try to rectify that and that fails in year three, now we're back to square one where we can seriously have this conversation about, you know, it's year three now. We're, are we seeing enough to to say that Matt Rule deserves to stay or go? Um, I haven't seen anything from David Tepper suggesting that Matt Rule's on any type of hot seat whatsoever. So um, it, he's going to be here. So for the Matt Rule haters that are out there, uh, he's going to be here. He's going to be here just like, uh, like you were saying a minute ago about uh, people probably not really going to be remembering this year for Cam Newton and Carolina in hindsight down the road. It's almost like the Michael Jordan Washington Wizards years where, yeah, yeah, they exist. They're there. They're part of the stats, but no one talks about them. <laughs> no one goes into those years like that. I wanted to, before we get into the section where I wanted to put my case out there to the world for why Cam Newton should be maybe a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, after his career is done, I did need to read uh, a quick message from one of our sponsors at Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and blue, beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Light bulb lab grown diamonds are the gift you'll never want to take off price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Uh, Cam Newton, Cameron Jarrell Newton. I wanted to rattle. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's too many of them, but I wanted to just point out a number of records and achievements that this dude has that a lot of people may not be aware of that he owns and still owns. Uh, in my case to make Cam Newton a first ballot Hall of Famer. He he has the most rushing touchdowns by any quarterback in NFL history with 70. Um, the most passing yards by a quarterback in his first two games, uh, rookie year against the Cardinals and the Packers, that was 854 yards, threw 400 yards in his first two games. After people debated for a whole offseason whether or not the kid could throw or not, and he comes out and does that, um, he has the most games in NFL history with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown with 32. Uh, most player of the week awards in a single season, that's five. He's tied with the GOAT Tom Brady for that. Um, first player in NFL history and most games with at least 250 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, one passing touchdown, and one rushing touchdown in a single game. Uh, only player in NFL history with at least 30 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns in the same season. That was the... MVP 2015 year, even Lamar Jackson hasn't achieved that yet, or Josh Allen. Um, it just goes on and on and on. First quarterback and fifth player in NFL history with at least 500 rushing yards, five touchdowns on the ground, and 4.8 yards of carry in five consecutive NFL seasons. He's the first quarterback in history to be the offensive rookie of the year and the NFL MVP at some point in his career. It just, it's mind-boggling. Some of the stuff that... uh that he did first player in NFL history with 4,000 plus passing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns in a season. And this stuff goes back to what we were saying before that he's kind of the bridge between what we saw Michael Vick doing early two thousands and what we're seeing Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen do now. Like he's the one that kind of 
he's the 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 Frankenstein mix of huge dude playing quarterback, cannon arm. There were stretches. People say Cam isn't accurate, but there are stretches. You can go back in his career where in a game, Cam would kind of get hot, almost like NBA Jam, and hit like seven for seven or eight for eight. You know what I mean? Like he he's real, he was real skittish like that. But it was never going to be Cam is a seventy percent completion passer for an entire season for multiple seasons. That's just not who he was. Like it just it just wasn't. But you have to take the good and the bad when it comes to Cam, and uh, he literally owns as I'm scrolling through it. It's about 35, 40 uh, records, uh, NFL records uh, to his name. And I can't figure out why he would not be a first round or first ballot Hall of Famer. Can any, I mean, can you put out a reason why he would not be based off of everything? I, I can't put an argument up as to why he shouldn't be at this point. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that there's much of an argument. I, I think it's all going to come down to the voters. And we know how Cam has been kind of, I, I guess, seen from people outside of Charlotte throughout his career. So it's going to come down to whether or not the voters believe he is worthy of that. And I think when you look at even to all the records he's had and all the success he's had and, and being arguably the best running quarterback of all time, that the, these folks may look at his stats and be like, ah, well, he only had the one really good season outside of that. What, how good of a quarterback was he, really, statistically? Because most of these things come down to statistics, whether or not these guys are going to be first round – or, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famers or not. I yeah. don't know. But still – because at the end of the day, I still think he is definitely worthy of it. I just don't know if the voters are going to be able to to come to that agreement and say, yeah, he was. I think not winning a Super Bowl definitely hurts his chances. I mean – but I, I don't know, again, by how much. You know what I mean? Like, if it was up to me, I would say absolutely Cam Newton's a first first ballot Hall of Fame. But when you're putting it into the hands of a ton of other people, that they have so many different variables, and, and where where do they these people – like, where do they, they rank Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl wins, stats over a long period of time? Like, I, I don't know. But I, I will say, I do think, like – there's a lot of people in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that were nowhere near as good as Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> and were first ballot Hall of Famers. I'm not going to get in any names, but I'm just going to say that and leave it at that. So if if those guys can get in the Hall of Fame first ballot, why the hell can Cam Newton not? You know, and I have this uh, this argument all the time with uh, non-Panther fans because they laugh whenever I say it. But then if they really sit down and think about it, the the, the fact remains – if the 2015 Carolina Panthers had defeated the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl, they would be considered one of the top three greatest NFL teams of all time. Like, point yeah, blank. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, to disagree with that. They lost one game. They lost one game. They would have been the only Super Bowl winning team with 18 wins. Uh, they would have joined the 85 Bears and the 84 49ers as Super Bowl winners with one loss. Uh, they had the number one offense in the league that year. They had the league MVP that year. They had the coach of the year that year. Uh, I believe their defense was top five that year as well. They might have been actually oh, yeah. close to number one, too. Um, Very and, that, and if they had won, that not only would have cemented Hall of Fame votes for Cam, but I think it would have cemented it for Luke Keekley. although I think Luke is getting in regardless. Uh, yeah. I was watching some tape of him the other day, and I'm like, this dude was a, a damn mutant <laughs> out here on the field, like dissecting plays as they were going on. I think it would have uh, did it for uh, for Thomas Davis. 
I think Josh Norman still would have been a Panther. Uh, a lot of things would have changed if that game had been won by the Panthers. And uh, I feel like Cam, it, there would have been no question. He would have been a Hall of Fame first ballot dude in and probably never would have had to leave here. Like Ron Rivera would probably still be here. Uh, like a lot of things would have been different uh, if they had won that game. And people at first and face value, like Panthers, one of the top three teams, that makes no sense. But then if you go back and really look at all of it that year, uh, they, I think they had the highest margin of victory in the playoffs or something. Uh, the blowout they had against Seattle and then Arizona, uh, they destroyed Arizona in the NFC Championship game. Um, but, that, I mean, that it is what it is. So we'll see if, uh, if that can be the case uh, for Cam getting in. Now, granted, like we said before, the Panthers still have two more games here uh, coming up. If you had to choose uh, as we get out of here, uh, Skylar, if you had to choose between these two matchups, the Saints on Sunday uh, at New Orleans, and then the following week they'll close out the season at Tampa, what are the odds of the Panthers? What are the better odds? The Panthers going 0-2, the Panthers going 1-1, or the Panthers going 2-0? and Because we haven't seen a win now in uh, – <laughs> It's been a while. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what it feels like to have Victory Monday uh, anymore. <laughs> Seems like the John's ago that they won a game. But, I mean, when you look at these games, I mean, we've we've said it on these podcasts, it seems like almost every week you look at the games and you're like, okay, well, I mean, they, they should have a chance to win. Like Buffalo, they hadn't been playing real great. Real great. And then they lost that game. Um, Tampa Bay, you just figured maybe something could go right. But, I mean, because especially with all the star players that they had out, you thought maybe they had a chance. But week after week, it's constantly been – they just don't have it. And it's not that the team's lacking effort. I don't see that one bit. I think it's just they're in a position right now where they don't have an offensive line, they don't have a quarterback, and that's the reason why they're losing games. It's not It's not to do with effort. It's not to do – it has nothing to do with a team quitting on their coaching staff. I don't see one ounce of quitting this team. I mean, these guys are playing – their tails off. I did want to, I want to, I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I almost forgot to bring that up. It's something that's actually a feather in Matt rules cap that I didn't realize mm-hmm. until uh, today. Really? The players are standing up for him. Like oh, yeah. even Cam. They, yeah. Cam stood up for him. It's like, he's a great coach. We're not losing because of coaching and all these things. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that at all, but he did that. But the one that stood out to me was Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson was standing up for Matt rule. Um, and Sam got, Sam Darnold did the same thing. And I'm like, hold up now. Wait a minute. If there was an issue with uh, – because if they're not standing up for him, then that Jay-Z thing would would have just caused eye rolls and like, oh, gosh, this yeah. dude here. Like, what is he talking about? And you know what I mean? But uh, I think that's sticking. I think it's actually sticking with these players. And to your to your point, uh, if, if, if the players are starting to come out now, that means the players are hearing it. The player – I think the boos on Sunday – for different that they the fire Matt rule chance and then booing Sam Darnold when he first came in and then cheering for him two plays later when he connected with uh Shy Smith. Huh. I think the players are getting to a point where they're like, okay, our fans are super fickle and they need to figure out what they want to do. They want to ride with us from beginning to end, or they just want to be there on the bandwagon when we're good. Yeah, because I mean th- that made no sense to me at all, doesn't it? I mean, I literally yeah. heard the booze and they put Cam in, he didn't do anything for two plays. They trot Sam back on the field, and it's like I, – I thought I was literally, like, delirious because I didn't – I was like, are they really cheering right now? I was, like, looking around the field to see, 
like if a fan had ran onto the field, which that happened later in the game, but yeah. I was like, what's going on? And I'm like, no, they're they're cheering for Sam Darnold. I'm like, what in the hell? So I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. The, the fans, they're just they're upset. I get it. But like like we're saying, if these players were not bought into the process of Matt Rule, they they don't have to go and tell the media these things, especially Cam Newton, who let's be honest, probably doesn't have a future with this team. And right. And, and the guy that that released him just a little over a year ago, he has he doesn't have to come out and say this stuff, but he is because he understands where this this coaching staff is coming from, what they're trying to do, whether he's here or not. He's trying to stick up for him because that's that's what the fans need to pay attention to. They don't need to, you know, look at these results and be like, ah, oh, just fire the guy. That sometimes I think we have such a short leash with people. Yes. There, there's no reason. And it's not just coaches. It's quarterbacks. It's 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 everything. Like, you can't just get rid of a guy immediately because it didn't work out. Like Instant gratification. That's yes. it. And, and Twitter and social media are the main driving force of this, where people feel like they should get something now. Not just in sports, but just in life. You know, like, we've seen everything switch around from – I see people getting frustrated in restaurants if they're sitting there and they have to wait more than five minutes for, <laughs> for something, you know, I'm like, what, what, what are we living now? What are we doing? <laughs> but that's, that's the world we're living in now where this Twitter fueled world where it's Twitter. If you think about it, the amount of people that are on Twitter dwarfs the amount of people that are actually here like Panther fans or just us citizens. But we let Twitter kind of dictate how we're supposed to feel about certain things, even if we're not on it. Yeah, and it, it's driving me nuts. And I think that the the players coming out in defense of Matt Rule over the past forty eight hours has been a reflection of that. And the atmosphere in that stadium, I think, was a reflection of that too. Where just in that sequence, them booing <laughs> Darnold coming on the field, and two plays later, them cheering because he completes a sixty three yard pass down the field to Shot Smith. Uh, it sums up the whole thing, the whole situation to me. Um, and like I, will, like I said, but, there's there's a few people that are they're media but they're not necessarily there at practice every day they're not there in the building every day that again i'm not going to mention names but there there's a few people that just like i said earlier that just constantly just go after matt rule and my opinion is like I don't care what your opinion is of Matt Rule, especially if you're a media member. Like, if you believe he's not the guy, whatever, I don't care because that's your opinion. You're entitled to it, and we're, we're okay to disagree. I'm not saying that I I, I think he is the guy because I, I I'm, I'm not sure. But the fact that some of these media members just go out of their way to to bash the coach, to bash the organization, to bash the situation, it doesn't help. Like it's not helping anything. Mm -hmm. You're just feeding into it. You're you're igniting the fire even more. Like, just sit back, let it just unfold. Because, like I've said, he's coming back in 2022, whether you like it or not. So, you're just gonna have to buck up and hope that they make the right decisions this offseason in regards to the offensive line, or regards to the quarterback, and other positions, and let it unfold. If next year they don't do anything then go for it but i'll because i'll be there saying that he should be fired too but until then there's no reason to go out of your way and constantly bash the coach you're supposed like media members are not supposed to come off as fans you know what yes, i mean they're right. supposed to give your opinion and that's it my opinion is i think it's too early 
if it, if it comes to a point where I think he needs to be fired, then I'll go there. But I'm not going to continue to go out of my way day after day after day after day after day just saying he needs to be fired. Like, that's – that's what are we doing here? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I agree. And that seems like what everyone's latched on to. But then let Matt Rule have a four-game win streak or something, and all that's completely forgotten. Like, that's yeah. the thing that's driving me nuts, where it's so – uh, the temperature level of the fan base is just so here and there. And I get it. The Panthers haven't had a winning season in four years since David Tepper took over. Matter of fact, they have not had a winning season since Tepper uh, took over the franchise. And I, I get it. The fans are frustrated. It's not so much what they've seen from rule. I think they're adding on the two years before rule got here. So really yeah. it's a four year thing where Panther fans have just had enough of it, but they never specify that it just gets thrown on that rule. So um to your point he's not going anywhere let's leave it with this because we do this on tuesdays they have not announced a starter yet for sunday uh i'm kind of thinking that they might actually lean back into what they did versus arizona have sam darnold actually start and bring cam in for special like goal line red zone type packages what, what do you, or do you think they're going to keep doing this uh musical chairs couple plays here a couple plays there you get out you get in do you think they're gonna keep doing that I think it'll definitely be Sam Darnold. That's just my opinion. I think they're going to start Sam, and they'll they'll sprinkle in some packages for Cam in certain situations, whether it be like a fourth and inches, and they need to get a quarterback sneak. They're not going to put Sam out there. I mean, when you have Cam Newton, why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, goal line situation, stuff like that, I think you'll be involved. I don't think you're going to see what you've seen the last few weeks. And like you said, I think Arizona is kind of a good uh, – kind of example for what I think will happen, not only ne next or this week, but next week as well against Tampa Bay. They – it may frustrate fans. I get it because Cam's done a lot for this organization. He's meant a lot, and this could be his final two games with the team. But at the, in the very end, Cam understands this is a business. The Panthers have $18 million locked up into Sam Darnold next year, whether you like it or not. So they need to figure out what the hell they got in him, if anything, and they want to get as much tape on him as possible because they want to go into the offseason having a clear idea of what they want to do with him, whether it's trade him, release him, or keep him, and feel good about their decision about it. They don't want to go in saying, oh, I don't know, what should we do? You know what I mean? They want to have conviction on what they want. And we'll – We'll find I think that's the game plan because it feels like they were easing Sam in back to be the starter last week. So I think that's kind of what they're probably gonna end up doing. Um, and I think Cam knows that, uh, based on his comments at the end of the game on Sunday. I think he even he understands that, you know, this is not his team. He basically was kind of babysitting it to a certain extent <laughs> without, without knowing where the refrigerator is or how to lock the doors or <laughs> like you know, where the bathroom is at. Like it just they're like, just keep an eye on the kids for about five or six weeks. We'll be back with uh with Sam, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do then. And even, then just, even during the game, I saw a lot of people on Twitter just, again, complaining about how the handling of the quarterbacks. So Sam makes that big 63-yard play. They bring in Cam. Everyone's saying, why did you bring, why are you changing quarterbacks? We just made a big play for the first time And how long. Listen, the reason why they made the play or the change at quarterback is because they had the ball at the freaking 10-yard line. You right. have Cam Newton. Why not put him in the game? That's his area in the red zone. Let him do his thing. I don't care if it was the first play of the series or not. You you make that switch because he gives you a better chance to punch it in the end zone from that point on the field. Now, if that 60-yard if that pass, say, ended at the 25, 30-yard line, you leave Sam in. But there's a reason why Cam came into the game. It's not because they're trying to play you know, back and forth on every single play. 
to me, that's just what I saw. That's what I, I feel. I don't know if that if that struck people the wrong way, but I don't know. So we'll uh we'll end it there. Um, shout out to the Believe Podcast Network. You can listen to our podcast and uh, multiple episodes and all kinds of different podcasts. Uh, NFL, NBA, college basketball, pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, just follow Believe Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can listen to our previous episodes uh, at Believe uh, Podcast Networks. Uh, you can follow Skyler's work uh, daily on Sports Illustrated. Uh, not only the Panthers beat writer, but the beat writer for our Charlotte Hornets, who actually beat the brakes off of uh, who was it last night they were playing? They were Houston. playing uh, Houston, the Houston Rockets. Uh, they're looking looking like they're finally going to get caught up with the schedule. They've been on the road more than any other team uh, in the NBA, I believe. I think they played more games than any other NBA team, too, up to this point. Yeah. So. Uh, the Hornets can kind of settle down a little bit. I think we're going to have a little playoff fun with the Hornets coming the spring. Uh, if you haven't been to Spectrum to watch them, definitely go do that. But you can follow uh, the Hornets and the Panthers uh, through Sports Illustrated uh, with Skyler uh, on Twitter at Callahan underscore. Um, you can follow me at Tobacco Radio or at DEZ underscore 3505. We'll be back next week. Panthers take on the Saints on Fox at 1 p.m. Um uh, this upcoming Sunday, uh, two games to go in the season. We'll see if Matt Rule can get past that five win mark that they had last year, and we'll, we'll start looking towards the future. So uh, keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.